0: Hi everyone, my name is Darwin Millard, aka the SPACA Cannabis. I'm the Chief Science Officer for Final Bell, as well as the Subcommittee Vice Chair for ASTM International's D3704 on Cannabis Processing and Handling and the new Subcommittee Chair for D3708 on Cannabis Devices and Appliances. I'm super excited today to talk about uh, ASTM International's Technical Committee D37 on Cannabis and how these standards can benefit the marketplace.
1: Curious About Cannabis is dedicated to providing reliable cannabis science education to anyone curious enough to learn. To get access to free courses and other educational resources, visit learn.cacpodcast.com and become a Curious About Cannabis member for free. The Curious About Cannabis book provides an incredible crash course in cannabis science through over 500 pages of content filled with photos, activities, science experiments, games, and more to help guide you through your personalized cannabis education journey. This book has become a trusted textbook in colleges and universities across North America and is absolutely perfect for serious learners as well as cannabis educators, tenders, clinicians, patients, and caregivers. Special thanks to the many individuals, companies, and organizations that have helped Curious About Cannabis meet our mission of becoming the number one trusted source of cannabis science education on the planet. This includes organizations like Credo Science with Ethan Russo, The Conigma, Treadwell Farms, The Spellman Report with Kevin Spellman, The Workshop, Green Earth Medicinals, CBD National, Magnolia Botanicals, and more visit cacpodcast.com slash sponsors to learn about our sponsors and go show them some love for helping us spread cannabis science education far and wide to anyone curious enough to learn if you like curious about cannabis consider checking out some of these other learning initiatives by natural learning enterprises
0: It be an adventure, Phoebe called out as she followed Brother Toadstool. Brother Toadstool led Phoebe and Molly into a tunnel that went deep down into the ground. As they
1: climbed into the tunnel, they found themselves getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Our new children's book, A Toadstool's Treasures, takes young readers on an adventure into the fun and fascinating world of fungi. Learn more and find mycology-related learning resources, games, and lesson plans for teachers and homeschooling families at toadstoolstreasures.com. And now, back to the show. Hey everybody, this is Jason with Curious About Cannabis. Thanks so much for tuning in once again. Today I'm really excited to be sitting down with a fellow quality systems nerd like myself. I'm here with the Spock of Cannabis, Darwin Millard. Darwin, thanks so much for being willing to come on the podcast today. I'm really stoked to connect with you.
0: Absolutely, Jason, me too.
1: So, one thing I wanted to talk about today, and this may end up leading into a series of conversations because we have a lot to get through in a short amount of time to start to unpack it. But, you know, my background working in analytical labs ended up revolving a lot around quality systems, trying to understand how we defend the data that we're producing um, both to ourselves as well as like legally um, as well as trying to understand how to produce data that can be used by the public and other researchers and things like that um, in a way where the data is validated and everything so i come from a background where i understand the importance of standardization and and quality but i think to a lot of other people standardization and compliance and all of that sort of stuff sounds like a lot of paperwork and check boxes and, you know, like the, the, the sort of these kind of hurdles that you have to overcome in order to um, do business. And I'm hoping that through this conversation we can change that perspective a little bit, because I actually do believe that these standards, um, all of these things that we're gonna talk about today, actually add value to producers and also add value to consumers as well, and I'm I'm really hoping that we can overcome this kind of psychological hurdle a lot of people have about just the word standardization and and all you know kind of what that means. So you know that's kind of where I'm coming at this conversation. So do you mind? Um, Great, I unpacking a little bit. How did how did you get involved in the world of standards, and then we'll kind of um, um, spin off from there.
0: That, great question, Jason. Yeah. So, I mean, um, well, for me, it was uh, I'm a mechanical engineer by training. So yeah. I kind of understand standards, I guess, from a foundational standpoint. And then hearing in 2017 that ASTM International, which is a 125 you know, year old now uh, standards development organization, that they were creating a uh, legitimate you know, cannabis committee to create standards, uh, as a consumer of cannabis products, uh, and an engineer working in the cannabis industry, I was like, Ooh, uh, no brainer. I need to join this, uh, standards yeah. development committee. And I guess like from day one, I guess I drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> so I've been, I've been in it deep now, uh, since the very first meeting, which was in June of 2017. So it's like five years later now. Um, And I guess, you know, like for me, again, as a mechanical engineer and consumer coming at uh, operating within the cannabis, which, you know, both marijuana and hemp space, right? There isn't a lot of, as you were mentioning, data. Uh, And fundamentally, what got me started is making sure that I knew what my cost of goods were. So as a producer, right, I could make sure I was making money.
1: So go, that goes back pretty far cuz I'm I'm trying to think of what I was doing in 2016-2017. That was when I was knee deep in analytical testing, compliance stuff back in Oregon um right after legalization. And yeah, there at that time when I was working on building a lab, there really there were no standards. No standards at all. Um, and there was only these early, early discussions of like, we probably need to start, you know, deciding what terminology we're using in this industry and what sort of quality, um, standards are needed. So you've really been there at, since the very beginning of really these, these formal conversations by these organizations that normally, you know, develop these standards in other industries, you were really right there at the beginning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, at that you know very first meeting uh it's kind of funny i was uh you know uh someone who was like we should remove hemp from our lexicon as like one of the first motions that i uh uh opened on the <laughs> right. floor uh because you know i was uh, the the whole misnomer between marijuana hemp and everything right, like that right it's all that. cannabis and, Yeah, exactly. Kind of thing was, uh, I think was like fundamental that I was trying to get across to everybody in the beginning of the standards development process. But, you know, again, as a avid producer of products when, uh, and it's all volunteer driven, right? So all this work over the last five years, the the growth of our committee, which has been amazing. uh, We're like 1400 volunteer members now. Which is wow, one of ASTM wow. International's largest subcommittees, right? And like you've got to understand again, 125 years of standards development history. Uh, there's got to be tons of other technical committees, which there are. There's nearly a hundred other yes, technical yeah. committees. Oil and gas, for instance, right, is one where if you're going to sell crude or uh, refined petroleum anywhere in the world, you're using an ASTM standard, right? Like that's kind yeah. of the big deal here. So uh When I uh, had an opportunity to volunteer and be vice chair for the processing committee uh, and help create standards that would directly reflect my business uh and the business of yeah. my clients at the time um, <clears throat> that it was uh i guess it was critical for me to you know i guess what I preach online uh is you know being a part of the change that I wanted to see in the world and really uh yeah. take a foundational uh kind of uh development stance on this where if you can like if you can actually create these things that regulators look to create regulations from then we can start to shape the industry in the way that we want instead of having regulators react to things and 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 impose regulations on us instead we can develop a standard Right, which is kind of nebulous, yep. which is good to maybe clarify what a standard is within ASTM yeah, at some yeah. point here. But if you can create a standard that then a regulator can see came from a reputable standards development organization, say one like ASTM International with 125 years of doing this process that is uh, compliant with um uh World Trade Organization principles for reducing barriers to entry, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they see it coming from them and they're like, oh, well, we've already adopted many other uh ASTM international standards right. into US law. Uh this is easy to do, right? Um so it it like I said, I, I drank the Kool-Aid and I, I saw the avenue for making real fundamental change within the the, the cannabis industry.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It it definitely, um, shows a very clear, um, path forward of, of kind of where things are leading, where they're going. And really the, um, uncertain side at this point is just kind of where it all lands, um, in terms of kind of, uh, you know, the standards refinement and, seeing, you know, um, kind of how that text develops. So like you're saying, if anyone listening is actually interested in all of this, um, there is opportunity to participate in this process so that when you get to the other side and these standards exist and they get adopted, um, you don't have to just sit there and complain, but you can actually say that, like, you were part of the process helping drive the conversations. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I do think we should back up a little bit and talk about, um, one, what ASTM is a little bit, you've already, you know, kind of unpacked that, but, um, you know, more specifically, like, yeah, what is a standard and why does, why do it, does any of the standardization matter?
0: Those are great questions. So like standards are a way of, uh, they're a way of facilitating communication and discussion of topics as well as, uh, Uh, allowing us to uh, bring products and commerce to actually occur so that bring products to market and allow commerce to occur while uh, creating mechanisms that help lower regulatory burden so what does that mean like so you've already touched on one uh, terminology so within ASTM International which is a uh, again a hundred and twenty five year old standards development organization uh, so they've been around for a while right They've kind of they' come up with a process uh, that allows for a robust uh, kind of unbiased forum for technical experts of all shapes and sizes uh, from all over the world to come and participate in the development of uh, six 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 types of uh, of standards do- uh, documents, right and that's that's terminology. Mm-hmm. So we're all speaking the same language. Right, about a topic, so we can all understand each other critically, and can discuss that in a way that allows us to, it's again, conducive for uh, both promoting uh, the marketplace, uh, but protecting consumer and environmental safety. Uh, so, and then there's uh, uh, classifications is a great example of another one. So you want to be able to create hierarchies of things, right? So you've got grade A flower and grade B flower, and you want to sell grade A for a higher price than grade B, right? Well, what makes up the, those specifications uh, yeah. that defines what grade A and grade B are? So specifications, right, are those other types of standards that allow you to really define, again, those metrics that allow you to classify goods as one thing or another, Then another type of standard that's critical, which is probably in your area, are test methods, right? Because if you don't have a (laughs) test method, you can't verify that something meets the specifications for it to be classified as a good and therefore allowed to be marketed, labeled, and sold as that item in the marketplace. So those suites of standards are very easy to see how those work together. And then we have a final two sets of standards, which would be guides and practices. So guides and practices allow users of these standards to comply with those, right? Or better understand their concepts. Like you might create a guide, for instance, just to help you understand the classification system that you just created. But you'd have a practice to help you comply with the specifications. So that now, you know, you've grown this amazing flower. So here's some... Uh, a guide to help you understand the classification system. Here's some, uh, some practices to help you meet the spec. And you as a testing lab, right? Have some test methods you can use that the marketplace can trust, right? Cause they were again developed by this organization with 125 years of history, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that yeah. uh, the data that comes out of those labs if they use these methods, right? is gonna be consistent and reliable.
1: Right, so it's 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 definitely a um, like a multifactorial um, system. Like it's it's addressing all of these these different pieces that play into um, the quality of products. Like you just said, ranging from the terminology to classifications, methods, um, et cetera, et cetera. So. Um, I think that's really important to point out that standards are, uh, it can be kind of a broad term, depending on how it's applied. Um, Absolutely. And ultimately, it's, it's all the about. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's really just all about bringing everyone onto the same page to get everyone onto the same playing field, essentially, so that then from there, we can start to understand what's going on um evaluate the market a lot better evaluate these products a lot better and know that we're all speaking the same language um and so again i want to highlight like this is a process among volunteers tons of volunteers um going through many rounds of feedback i think sometimes people assume that governments kind of uh, come up with these standards or just arbitrarily a- apply them and i do want to again point out like this the government does not make these standards. These are standards produced by large groups of volunteers that are very passionate about just trying to come up with the best system possible in order to set a good stage for the industry. Um, so if anyone out there gets frustrated about standards, and you know, it's, it's important to understand that process. It, it is a welcoming public process. Um, and I'm going to just keep reiterating that, because I think it, it does need to be reiterated. And um, can you describe, what are some of the issues that have come up in your meetings um, that have really risen to the top of, like, these are some, like, really critical standards that need to be developed ASAP?
0: Oh, great question. I really, really like that. So um, I think there's, there are two that I am really, really happy about. Actually, I guess it's uh, really there are three that I'm super excited about. So, of course, because I have roles uh, within both the D3704 on cannabis processing and handling uh, and the D3708 on cannabis devices and appliances. And I currently serve as the chief science officer for Final Bell, which is a multinational co-manufacturer. And we produce uh, uh, cannabis uh, vape products, uh, and we also manufacture hardware. So we both process and handle and create devices. So as such, right, it's really uh, important, A, again, as me as a consumer, uh, and B, as a representative of my company to be uh, engaged in the standards development process. Um, so two amazingly awesome standards that are coming out of the 04 that we're working on right now. Uh, which I think people are going to be really excited about is helping to create occupational health and safety uh, guidelines Mm. and best practices related to dust and specifically five kinds of dust. Uh, So, you know, we, it's not just, uh, we, we had an initial task uh, group meeting to talk about dusts uh, and, you know, the first type of dust, of course we're talking about is, well, People, you know, you grind you grind flour, right, so that you can make right, pre rolls right. and, and or whatever, or for extraction or whatever, right? Uh, but then yep. it was like, well, you also ground this, you grind the stock so that you can make, yeah. you know, herd or you, uh, uh, whatever else, right? You the people true, grind true, stock yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. There's also you grind the seed, so you're making food yep. products, right? So there's also that and. Sometimes in cases you grind the the whole plant, you grind everything up, right? And you also, there's a, you know, there are new things on the marketplace like crystallized cannabinoids. And these are typically, you know, grown in lattices, sheets, or larger chunks that have to be broken down by grinding. So now we have dusts from, uh, you know, crystallized cannabinoids. So those are the five types of dust that we're now looking at that spawned from a discussion specifically related to grinding up just flour, right? And those concerns That's related cool. to that cuz it's one thing to grind up clean product. Yes. But what right. happens if that product's dirty? Now you've yeah. got aerosolized particles of molds, mildews, pesticides that were on that material. So the questions start to become a lot more more of the safety concerns start to become a lot more pressing when you're dealing with common agricultural issues, right, on uh, right. on the plant level. So that's that was one standard that I'm super excited about. Uh, obviously yeah, on that's... the heels uh, of the, um, uh, you know, the court cases that have been occurring, right, related to dust inhalation. I was, I was just going to bring that
1: up. Yeah, there are people that have gotten sick and reportedly possibly died because of exposure to... Dusts and whatever else in some of these working conditions without proper um, ventilation support.
0: Absolutely. So it's it's critical, and we're it, and we're really excited to be working on these fundamental and foundational uh, safety standards for you know employees for us working you know yes, in yeah. these buildings, right? Um, and another one uh, coming out of our January meeting that just happened, super exciting, uh, is. Uh, a specification for the indicators for I for determining whether or not a cannabinoid is intoxicating. So to shorten that up, right, the specifications for for what is intoxicating for right. Uh, so what is an intoxicating cannabinoid? So I'm not sure if you're familiar or were aware, uh, <clears throat> but we last year published what I think is one of the most impactful standards so far. And that's a specification for an uh, international symbol for identifying consumer products containing intoxicating yeah. cannabinoids, which, uh, this, yeah. it, which is a, uh, a, the world's first harmonized uh, uh, international labeling specification creating a true universal symbol for identifying products containing intoxicating cannabinoids and uh, uh, which has been dubbed the international intoxicating cannabinoid product symbol. (laughs) Uh, And and so um, from that, right, we've now created this definition of, or a classification of a type of cannabinoid Mm -hmm. without the supporting metrics behind it, right? so typically standards yeah. come from you've got a test method so you can identify an analyte and then you can start uh, so identifying different matrices that or or uh, indicators in this case that are common which allow you to classify things right which you know, so yeah. you can, test methods allow you to build specs which allow you to build classifications typically, but we're kind of going the other way by creating a classification for a type of cannabinoid. And so now we're building those supporting indicators, those metrics that ones can be tested against, uh, because there are existing test methods in this case for, Mm -hmm. uh, at least when it comes to the pharmacological indicators that we're hoping to propose as what would identify a cannabinoid as intoxicating, Uh, That these are established test methods that can be used in order to determine if any cannabinoid is intoxicating. And the whole goal <laughs> from all of that is that we would then test delta-9-THC in its neutral form against mm-hmm. these specifications and define ah. level one for mm-hmm. intoxication. And from here, you can then measure... The level of intoxication right yeah of other
1: cannabinoids against this bar against level one right, so you always have to tether it to something you've always got to pick a starting point to tether your measurements to. um so that's clever um I like that and and is is there any um i guess like receptor affinity studies driving some of that, or, or... you got it
0: Ex- exactly yeah, okay, so I mean um I don't have it right in front of me, but yeah, it, uh, it's basically right. Does it solicit CB1 receptor antagonism, uh, greater than I think 50% or whatever? Uh, like I said, I don't have mm-hmm. it right in front of me. I don't want to butcher, uh, the pharmacological indicators yeah. that we've, that we've, uh, are using, but now these don't, you know, just because they're the ones that have been proposed, doesn't necessarily mean that they're correct. So the group working on it right now is in an mm-hmm. is in in depth literature review to like fully elucidate all this information uh, or the yeah. uh, potentially other indicators or pharma- pharmacological indicators that are important. So that was the two from the two standards in development right That's now cool. uh, from the D thirty seven oh eight on cannabis processing and ha- sorry D thirty seven oh four on cannabis processing and handling. But the one from the '08, which I well, there are there are a lot more than the one, uh, than just one. But from our January meeting again that we just had, um, uh, uh, the uh, a really important standard that spawned from that uh, discussion and effort is a specification for contamin- uh, sorry, for concentration limits of non cannabinoid mm. ingredients. Used in the manufacture of cannabinoid products intended for vaporization
1: so ah, okay you know, there yeah. are,
0: there are many uh, many types of ingredients. some people might argue yes. that a terpene is an ingredient uh, you know, yep. and others may not, but there are certainly you know, uh, varying degrees of terminology right that can be used to describe uh, Things that are incorporated into vape products, formulated extracts, et cetera, right, to yeah make them function within the devices or flavor them, right. Help or, them flow whatever or whatever it, <laughs> or whatever it may be, so the fact that the matter exists right that these products are on the marketplace, and so therefore standards need to exist to ensure consumer safety, so what sparked this was uh Actually, on the O4 side, our recording secretary, who's just super amazing, happens to send me an article uh, that was published by uh, just recently um, with uh, True Terpenes and uh, and Pax, I mm-hmm. believe, in some and a research yeah. group, right, where they uh, announced the um, uh, cons- concerns and implications of uh, ingredient concentrations uh, during of of you know, vape products, et cetera, et cetera. So anyways, um, again, being a consumer, uh, I was like, this is a standard we should do for sure. We should jump yeah. on this. Uh, and we yeah. did. Uh, we created that standard. We set it all up. And I'm super excited to announce that we've got uh, not only Pax and True Terpenes, the original like authors and produce, uh of that report, but also the research team that was working on that, uh, assisting myself uh, and uh, our re- recording secretary from uh, the D thirty seven hundred four to help create a standard under the O eight. I know lots of back and forth, but it's more of collaboration. Oh yeah, lots right, of numbers and codes. Yeah, <laughs> lots of collaboration between subcommittees. Really is kind of what's going on there. Is that so? Processing and handling yeah. is collaborating with uh, with devices and appliances to help create concentration limit specifications for non-cannabinoid ingredients. And there are some major players you have got, uh, two of the largest hardware manufacturers are participating, uh, two major product, uh, manufacturers are participating on that, uh, and, uh, almost every major flavoring producer in the marketplace is all collaborating on this one standard. Wow. So it's huge. And, uh, actually you the, the news has broken here first. Uh, in respect to like how big of a deal that collaboration really is.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I mean it's it's really great to hear that so many producers are getting on board to try to figure these things out and um, you know and get on the same page because vape pens, especially from my experience working in the analytical labs, especially since my beginning work in the analytical labs was kind of in the wild, wild west days. Um, compared to today, um, I have seen so much that scares me <laughs> when it comes to vape pens and some of the things that are added in there, or just the lack of knowledge that some producers would have about um, how they were made or what was in them. And, you know, of course, there's been some different scares over the years around vitamin E acetate, phytol, squalene, and and squalane. Um, even MCT oils and vape pens and things like that. So um, this issue of additives and vape pens is something that keeps recurring over and over and over again um, in, in the news and everything like that. So it's, it's clearly an issue. And it's something that I know from the classes that I teach that most people don't know who to trust anymore when it comes to vape pens. Um, you know, it, it, it's the, the reputation of the entire um, sphere of vape pen manufacturers has been affected by shenanigans by you know um really what's it, not the majority um but because of those issues of of people really not being too careful of what they are putting in these vape pens or just having a lot of ignorance when it comes to um general safety maybe they were looking at safety data sheets and they were like well this compound says it's grass even though they're ignoring the intended uses of that compound which is what defines grass in the first place. Um, You know, so there's a lot of just genuine ignorance that I think comes along with it. And there is also some maliciousness by certain parties as well. Um, But I think a lot of it is ignorance and people just wanting to know what should we be doing and and what is the right way forward.
0: Absolutely. And that's where these standardization, these standards and standardization in general, but the standards that are being developed by the d 37 really serve both the producer and the regulator, right? So, yeah. yeah, I talked about our six different types of standards, right? And I, I alluded to technical experts who participate. So it kind of sounds like this, you know, uh, you know, uh, good boys club, all elitist, closed door, all right, that type right. of thing. But it's not. It's, like I said, it's open to anyone, anywhere in the world. Um, and in fact, there are, four distinctive voter classifications in order to kind of balance voting interests. So producers, manufacturers of cannabis products, right? They're on one side of the scale so that they can't influence everything, right? They they get equally balanced out by the other three types of voters that are users of these standards. So like in your case, if you're a laboratory lab technician, you would use a test method. Mm -hmm. then there are consumers like myself. I'm on the street. I'm going in. I'm going to go buy a vape cart, right? Yeah. And then there are general interests. And that's a, you know, kind of a general category. That could mean that you literally could just be like, oh, I heard about this topic and I happen to vape nicotine. So uh, this might interest me. So you're going to go join the meeting. Or more precisely, you know, you're a consultant or you're an academic or you are a regulator Mm -hmm. or a government agent, right? You get you kind of, you get rolled into this classification. Um, So those four voting blocks or member types, member classifications uh, is what really makes the ASTM process work and allows anyone again to participate in that process.
1: Well, that is huge to point out. I'm so glad that you, um, unpacked that because i'm sure one of the questions someone listening would have had immediately was oh okay so all of these private companies are sitting at the table deciding how everything goes um so that was really great that you threw that in when you did because um yeah these these, there are ways to balance these things and it's one of these things that if you don't participate and you're not involved um in anything like this it's understandable that you don't know how it works and there are, you know, generally, uh, you know, assumptions that people make about um, a lot of these things. But again, just to highlight everything that we've pointed out here, this is um, over a thousand people working together, collaborating, sharing ideas. Um, the the voting system is weighted so that private companies that have interests in the standards being a certain way that they do not have that power. Um, they have a, they have some say and they can contribute, but they cannot dominate the conversation and, um, and that there's also room at the table for people that have no experience or have no direct, um, stakeholding in it, but are maybe in adjacent industries or are somehow ancillary, um, to what's going on, you know, that they have a place too. um, they, this is just so critical to point out, um, I just think this is a lot different than how most people think that it is. Um, I agree with you that a lot of people assume that these are kind of closed-door meetings, and honestly, some of that comes from the way that states have handled um, the development of regulations and rules, because it's not too uncommon in particular states, in the United States, to create these subcommittees that you know they sort of put out an invitation for people to join, but then the same people always end up being um, staffed on them, and they generally have certain interests, you know, uh, or they're connected to politicians, whatever. and And so that stuff does happen. And so I think it's important one to acknowledge that that um, that kind of screwed up system does exist often,, you know, on the state level. But what we're talking about is so different um, is such a different process um and it's a process that's really um been tried and tested like just the overall system how do we engage these conversations how do we move forward how do we weigh these votes all that sort of stuff um so again for anyone listening that's trying to wrap your head around what's going on and who's making these decisions when we're talking about these you know really we're talking about global standards we're talking about Um, thousands of people collaborating. This is very, very different than what you may have seen in your home state, for example, and how decisions get made.
0: Yeah, and just to kind of, you know, uh, I guess to put a pin on that one, right? So it's 1,400 members currently within the D37, and those are from, I think it's 36 different countries. Um, And we've been over the past five years have published 45 standards, uh, which is pretty good yeah, considering wow. the awesome. time frames. And it's certainly, right, as I was saying, with, when you look from the outside in, it seems imposing, it seems closed-doored. But a good example would be like, so ISO, the, and the way that their voting mm-hmm. system is structured is that it's one country, one vote, which is extremely yeah. closed-doored. So a country gets to elect a... Uh, subject matter expert, and that is typically a pay-to-play role. Um, someone yeah. uh, who has uh, donated or contributed to the efforts in a way that also presents uh, a subject matter expertise within the marketplace for uh, each country to participate. So very, very closed-doored in that respect. Um, and then you'd have other, like, more local, like you were saying, there are a lot of groups who have popped up and around, right, whether it's a trade association yeah. or a another body that's attempting to self-regulate and develop um, best practices in order to self-regulate too, there's a lot of question, right, as to the validity of the uh, yeah. product that's produced by those groups because they are, again, pay to play, right? And there are structured yeah. tiers based on, you know, just your basic level entry as a member to uh, which, you know, what does that get you to then those, you know, people pay- paying tens of thousands of more, right. And can get into the mm-hmm. closed door rooms that actually do the things and uh, steer how that committee, uh, that organization does its things. Right. So again, it seems yep. very uh, kind of closed off to the average person. Right. So, yes, absolutely. uh, ASTM internationals process is much different than that, as you've already pointed out where again, anyone, uh, with any just, well, I, I won't say it's free, but anyone with $75 can join yeah. this process. So $75 in the U S sounds, you know, like, no, I can do that, um, for it. And that's, you know, that's annual, but, and a lot of our members and we have a, uh, uh, a driving, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion program that we're trying to implement right now, which will create a way of facilitating more, uh, stakeholder voices from places that are, wow. uh, far away, hot and humid and hard to get to. Right. Um, yeah. so that yeah. we can make sure that we're representing, uh, our culturally and geographically diverse cannabis industry.
1: Yes, absolutely, which is, I mean, uh, seeing the whole global cannabis industry explode, I think that's that's always been important, but, you know, almost never so as important as right now because um, there are tons of voices getting lost along the way um, for a number of different reasons, Uh, different countries, different states, different communities, different groups of people, um, different demographics that are all a part of this whole complex, uh, interconnected system that we call the cannabis industry. Um, and, you know, a lot of times they do get relegated to the sidelines of, you know, um, not really um, ever being um, in one invited for the first, you know, it's just right away, not invited. And then two um, you know, having the resources and abilities to um, get involved, Um, that can be challenging depending on on the person, the community, et cetera. Um, So that's awesome to hear, um, because the last thing that we want is for all of these standards and directions to get decided and then um, realize that there's been these gross oversights that are negatively impacting um, very important stakeholders in the industry. Um, so that's great. That's super awesome. And I, this kind of leads to my next question I was going to ask, which is what, uh, what is ASTM as far as, you know, focusing on the cannabis side, what is the, the future looking like? What are the, the topics, concepts, um, and things that you're sort of looking at, uh, towards the future that once you, um, address what you're currently working on, that you know is, is likely to be on the horizon
0: great question actually uh the d37 committee just formed a an official steering committee uh or strategic nice. planning committee and its its purpose its job its scope is to create a five-year standards development plan uh not to and uh, and to continuously develop and improve upon that plan um uh, yeah. And so, and to kind of do an audit and assessment of the committee's work and help guide uh, the committee and in, in its progress going forward. So, we're kind of currently in the process of figuring out what the next five years is going to look like, which is all the more reason yeah. why it's uber critical for people to really participate, right? So, like, never before do you have an opportunity to build upon the momentum that a group has built over the last five years and then contribute by throwing your dart against the wall when it comes to your, you know, your topic, your concern, your point of interest in the marketplace, that's really, uh, um, grinding your gears, right. Or whatever it might be. Um, and so that you can have that heard and then wade, you know, so because I'm within the O4 and the 08. And I'm helping to run how we're doing that, right? We're basically holding a a bunch of meetings where we're having our members propose a whole bunch of ideas that we're just, you know, tracking every single one, trying to get them to give us at least a skeleton of a title because it's really important to know kind of what you're talking about. And then, you know, brief rationale, brief scope, brief just like, hey, it's going to do this, right? And that way it's easier for us as members to then, uh rank these on a very simple numbering scale for priority level. That way we can then put the ones that scored uh, as you know high priority up at the top of the list, etc. And then can hopefully nice yeah. get you know push and prod and convince our uh get a volunteer member to then take up the charge on those uh highest priority standards. Uh an example of some of this stuff, right, that uh 04 threw against the wall so far uh, which yeah. actually stuck and got some 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 major interest, is in the topic of compressed liquid petroleum gases. So, you know, um, yeah, compressed okay. gas cylinders mm-hmm. um, and uh, LGB uh, hydrocarbons you know, in protein, uh, <laughs> uh, in butane, uh, <laughs> isopropane, uh, and, uh, um, and et cetera. My apologies um it's early in the morning here in the west coast right um, <laughs> um, need specifications right for what is a absolutely uh, a, a, an appropriate grade or uh, yes. for performing an herbal extraction that's intended for inhalation
1: and that's the key let's 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 point out what you just said um, that's intended for inhalation because A lot of people say like, well, these gases have been used for extraction for all these plants for all this time. However, people are not smoking those extracts. They're not vaping those extracts. Um, So I just wanted, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just really wanted to emphasize that point, that it's about these quality standards in the context of inhalation, uh, which is a big difference. Quality has to be higher with inhalation because you're bypassing your innate mechanisms to filter toxins. So just just wanted to emphasize that i didn't mean to interrupt you but i, I felt like that was really no, important to point no
0: that's why it's like why i stressed helping the members create a title because it's you know yeah. you could make you could make that title pretty vague and just say we're going to do specifications for uh compressed gases for uh and you know for extraction grade compressed gases right but yeah. that covers a lot of topics versus you know uh, yeah. one's specifically intended for uh, um, uh, inhalation, right? Free and inhalation. then others, as yeah. you just mentioned, for ingestion, right? So those, uh, the, the, those stuck against the wall, and we had some major ga- uh, gas producers, you know, not the actual manufacturers of the gas who the and supply everyone else were like, yep, we're going to create those specifications, which was huge. Yeah, um, yeah, but we also had, uh, you know, throwing against the wall, right. Just really quickly, um, cleaning practices for those cylinders, because, <laughs> yes. uh, as they're, you know, going through rotation, you know, what's going on inside them. Well, we need to be able to clean them well. Well, you can't clean them well, unless you have what specifications for what is quote unquote clean, right. Or clean. what, yeah. what, yeah. Or basically what are the specifications for, um, uh, a decontaminated cylinder, right. And None of those matter unless you have what test methods so that you can verify that, again, going back to the gas, that it meets the specifications that uh, it is indeed uh, appropriate for creating an extract intended for inhalation. So I'm going to use, right, I can, I can use, I can be confident my QA manager, right, who's uh, checking everything and on the supplies can go, yes, I'm going to approve this batch of gas, right? Um, and they can be confident in doing so, but that test method also to verify when you're on, when you're on the, uh, cylinder cleaning side that you've now actually performed an adequate, uh, uh, cleaning correct. Right. So those are just, uh, an assortment that stuck against the wall and got the gas industry super excited and working on standards, with yeah. uh, the D3704, um uh, so we've got you know uh, outside industries now who are paying a lot more attention to what we've got going on um but yeah we've got a, we've got a lot of stuff uh like literally i quite honestly jason i should have had my list ready so i could have been like it's You'd be like bam these are just under 04 and 08 right that we've got hun- we've got
1: hundreds in uh well if you if you do have a list i can throw it i can throw it in the show notes <laughs> I'd have to, uh,
0: I'd have to really compile that for you. But yeah, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, show everybody. Let's do it. I mean, for everyone to kind of see, there are, there are many work items in progress. And uh, as I said, we're developing our our future timeline. What are we going to do over the next five years? No better time to participate than now.
1: Yeah. No. This is this is really really exciting. And something I'll point out too. You know, I do a lot of consulting with um, producers that are trying to be gmp compliant and trying to understand what gmp means at least in the fda context or um european depending on where you are um but one thing that i point out is like well you've got to have specifications for all these things what does it mean for something to be clean how do you verify that things have been cleaned how do you verify this that or the other and something i want to point out is that once these uh standards are established um well one i'll say In the absence of standards you have to define all these things yourself um those of you that think you're getting away with being not compliant with gmp all of this time it will catch up with you eventually if you operate long enough and you're supposed to have all of these specifications defined in some way um and 99 percent of producers do not define these specs at all they just you know it's kind of a um everyone just kind of knows what they're supposed to do, and they eyeball it, and they might have SOPs, but they're usually pretty um, vague. And so when all of these specifications are defined, it's actually going to make it way simpler, and without a lot of folks even realizing it, it's going to save them a ton of time, energy, and money, um, because they will not have to make up these specifications themselves. They can just defer to something that's already established. So I want to point that out. Those of you that are pursuing GMP compliance, pay attention to these standards. Um, They will make your life so much easier when you get into the thick of it, when you're actually trying to prepare for an FDA audit, you know, or depending on if you're in another country, there are all sorts of other different governing bodies that do similar work. Um, You know, when you're actually taking that seriously and getting ready, you're going to appreciate these standards so much. It will literally save your company tens of thousands of dollars in just spent time and energy um, in labor just trying to get your quality systems buttoned up with the specifications you need to defend all of your data. So I know we're coming up on the hour. I need to let you go. So we'll go ahead and wrap up. But this has been an awesome conversation. Like I said, I knew the hour would fly by. I have a feeling we have more conversations that we need to go through because there's still more to unpack. We've only just really talked about labeling and a little bit about processing. Surface. And there's so yeah we've really scratched the surface, so um, I won't keep you up. I want to be respectful of your time, but um Darwin, thanks so much for spending the hour with me. I've really enjoyed it, and I'm stoked that our our paths have crossed i'm really I'm really stoked to know you absolutely, Jason. I just wanted to echo what you were saying before that
0: um, not only will in the uh, uh, using these standards, the guides and practices to help you comply with the specifications and the, in the end, the regulations will absolutely help you save time and money. That's yeah. key to helping you in the transition period. Yep. Uh, but what it's really, really important is that, and as you're mentioning, and I just want to kind of call uh, circle back to your yeah, uh, yeah. original comments about that, you know, people find them as burdensome, right? Trying yeah. to uh, comply with these standards, these specifications, these regulations related to GMP, etc. Right? while it is true that the transition is certainly burdensome once you're there and you've put these specifications in place and you have uh, checks, uh, your uh, document control practices in place, you have your uh, process validations in place, things get a lot easier and you have built in risk mitigation within the, uh, within your operation. So, in the long run, it is substantially cheaper to perform in a complying manner uh, according to GMP based on your entity's risk assessment uh, than it is to uh, than it is to basically try to uh, wing it without any types of controls because with these controls and with standards and specifications and these other types of guides and practices, you can help better. Uh, determine KPIs, your key performance indicators within your operation, and can help drive efficiencies and uh, not only improve bottom line, but start improving uh, company culture as well as your brand reputation within Marketplace. There are tons of value adds that are looked at currently right? because our Marketplace was kind of in the u s unfortunately, designed with quality uh, uh, product quality and consumer safety uh, last and diversion yeah. first right diversion control yeah. and fear and mitigation uh, first of right um, lead with fear and, yeah. and and because of that, we kind of dropped that ball, and now it's like, hey, industry didn't have to operate according to any standards. what are you talking about we should We should now continue to have, to be In a weird bubble and just like make products that are consumed at your own risk. As a consumer, I'm I'm not good with that. So, uh, (laughs) I guess that's a great place to leave it. And I'm I look forward to having a continued conversation about you know more specifically the our awesome new label specifications that we have coming out, which will absolutely start. Alleviating some of these concerns of the regulators, right? The FDA recently came yep. out again, basically saying no CBD, blah, blah, blah. But, right. but
1: also we don't want to do anything either.
0: <laughs> right. But what they're saying is that, well, we can't trust what's on the label, right? And what's being, these claims that are being made. Well, that's a key aspect yep. of the label specification that will help provide clarity for these regulators, right? To help, you know, yep. uh, allow these products to be sold in the marketplace. So, Um, I'm super excited for our next conversation. Uh, Jason, again, thank you so much for having me here. Um, And I guess with that, just with everybody, live long and process.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Live long and process indeed. And I'll catch up with you soon. And let me know anything you want me to throw in the show notes. Um, I will be happy to throw them in there. Any links to any Anything that um, y'all are working on, um, links to get connected. Um, I'll follow up after this with an email. We'll get all of that, but I'm happy to pump this as much as I can. I think it's really important. So um, yeah, with that, everybody, live long in process and stay curious and take it easy. And I'll catch up with you next time. If you're curious about cannabis like me, Then get connected to the Curious About Cannabis ecosystem, and let's learn together. Visit cacpodcast.com slash connect to join our learning community on our Discord server, and you can participate in regular giveaways, dive into the latest cannabis research, connect with certified Curious About Cannabis educators, hang out in our break room with other curious minds, and more. Best of all, it's totally free. Just visit cacpodcast.com slash connect to learn more or click connect on the Curious About Cannabis app, which is available on Android and coming soon to iOS.